Okay, here we go. Um, this is 17 or continuation 16B. I'm not too sure, but this is a true honor. I'm speaking with uh, Rose Henry, who is um, just started recently becoming an advocate in Victoria. Is that correct, Rose? <laughs> recently, I kind of <laughs> laugh when you say recently. You know, I've been doing it since right, I was 15 years old. Since you're 15. Uh, since I was 15, advocating for the rights of the most marginalized people um, to exercise, you know, their uh, their rights to exist, whether it's through the voting um, to, you know, um, homeless um, homelessness, and through, you know, the rights of off-reserve people. Um, so I want to go you. back and that. tell that you know a little bit of a part of that history because. Um, for me, the importance of education was absolutely critical, and it still is to this day. Uh, that's the reasons why I moved to Metulia. Um, back in 1984, I moved here to get a better education, and I came with my son at the time. He was only 15 months old, and, um, you know, like, I thought that, you know, at the time that, you know, I was prepared to deal with whatever life had tossed my way because this is the calling that yeah this is the calling that I had simply um, because you know I had gone through a lot of experiences throughout my young life mm -hmm. as you know um, a child who survived the uh, hospital institutions to surviving the foster care system growing mm -hmm. up in a non-native home yep. to um, being a single parent and so you know uh, no I was like at the time I was 23 but you know for me uh, fighting for my rights began when I was 14 when the foster care uh, system tried to get my ID and the government tried to make me a Canadian and the first thing I said when I stood before the judge was I can't do this affidavit he said why not I said because you asked me to swear and I can't swear I said because my mother is here <laughs> and so that was my first act of defiance publicly is that I fought for the rights you know to remain um, with some dignity in a system that had no respect for people like myself and you, so you know that dignity and respect has always been really hard on indigenous people yes the challenge is like really hard because of colonization but then when you are coming from life on the streets or the foster care system the dignity and respect that you learned was never to trust never to trust the system and so how can you give trust and respect when you've never received it and so that journey Absolutely. for me to get my ID from right. the time I was 14 until I was 19 was huge I'm sorry I misunderstood at first I, I, yeah. I, 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 I'm sorry I, I thought you had became a, a single parent at a young age so no that was I'm sorry I, I, I misunderstood yeah. it at first yeah it so the, the it was through that journey though you know that you know the misunderstandings were happening all the way through so that's normal for everybody to assume that you know I was a teenage parent no well, I was, was a teenage I was a child to a teenage mother yes I'm sorry so. I, I'm sorry I mixed that up I, yeah. I really am so I just wanted to say that that's a brief history, I mean, of where you started. That's a very early history, and my rights to um, talk about the homeless situations, and that, Absolutely. you know, come from that early history, that early history of social injustice. Absolutely, and I mean, being Native, it's, it's, yep. it's you know, I mean, it's honestly, unfortunately, in Canada, it seems to be part for the course, sometimes, you know, and... and we were talking earlier about about perspective and about marginalization, about you know just even in in every culture, right? Yep. You know, um, and then it's even shared amongst you know the indigenous folks that you know there's that have versus have not thing, which is you know yep. traditionally not something that you guys value, right? That's so, right. 
so we got into that earlier and um, we were talking I just I want to bring the listener up to speed and just to say um, that Rose came to me yesterday this is a valued friend and I just obviously just the, the brief um, history that we gave you I wanted show you like kind of what kind of respect this lady deserves so she came to me yesterday and, and um was just saying you know she had to, she had to say something and, and she wanted to say it on, on the homicide idea so what was it rose that you had to say <laughs> oh i had lots to say about you know the the chatter the the bs the lack of you know follow-through on actions um because in particular you know, with the mainstream media, you know, talking about the homeless, you know, situation that's unfolding again in Metulia and, you know, that that particular audience, you know, stemming from um, CFAX, you know, radio to the Times, you know, colonist to, you know, the neighborhood um, chatter lines on Facebook and every place, you know, that has an outlet to to say that we think that it's wrong, that, you know, the homeless people are taking over the parks. Well, hello, you know, like, uh, this is nothing new. We agree, and we agree. There's a lot of trolling going on. Yeah, so the trolling, you know, is happening, but the trolling has huge holes in it and it? It right now sure. especially that the bike chop shop that they they mentioned that doesn't exist right? oh they keep mentioning the bike chop shop and <laughs> but it's i look at that as a diversion to Absolutely. what the real issue is and the real issue is that in this day and age you know the cost of affordable housing is non-existent when i you know made reference to a newspaper article where they were broadcasting that a one-bedroom apartment is sixteen hundred and fifty dollars well a person on um, income assistance is only allowed 375 for their shelter portion um a person working a minimum wage paying job would have to work the first hundred hours for free just to pay the rent. That's not including the food and the utility bills on top of that. So when you're you're thinking in that context of like a hundred hours just to pay your rent, that's equivalent to two and a half weeks of full time work. Absolutely. I mean so, the, the the real anger should be should I think from the public should should uh, should more be focused on the policymakers and the people who yeah. put, like you know put the policies in place that cause poverty. I mean, really, as a society, we all deserve better, and we could all do better. Yeah. Um, and we know that for firsthand now that COVID has 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 hit us, we can that we can amp up the care that we give, and um, it's just that it's unfortunate to the pandemic to do that, but. Um, this pandemic has actually unveiled a lot of things, you know, like the um, the classism, For you sure. know, to, um, you know, the racism, huge, huge issues are coming forward. And these are issues that could be resolved, starting with the words of um, trust and respect. Well, that's the and point. You're so, absolutely right. Absolutely. You know, like... When I say the word respect, you know, like I was talking to your partner Melva about this the other day about the meaning of respect comes first from within yourself. If you respect yourself, you take care of your whole being spiritually, physically, emotionally, and mentally. And when you start to achieve that, you start to take care of, of your surroundings, so your environment. Absolutely. And so you know you start to respect our mother earth definitely and the land the custodians that take care of this land is the Esquimalt people and the Songhees they're together they show respect for one another in every public speaking acknowledging the territories because they know who the original custodians of the land are and traditionally and so you know that's another part of my advocacy that I've been very well known to um, 
say in planning meetings in that let's start with a territorial acknowledgement because we are all guests on this territory unless we are from this nation and so once we start to respect each other and we start with the acknowledgement of the land the whole dynamics then you know starts to change and it's not instant though it's very subtle because it makes you stop to think oh what does that word respect mean absolutely and okay now there's so many things that you just said there uh, first my political stance it, honest the whole the whole the whole acknowledgement is that I think that all white people or all people that are non-aboriginal should be allowed to go back to their original countries of, of origin like, like where their family come from you know like, yeah they, they, that they'd be accepted back and the country just say okay yeah we'll take them back and be offered the, the option to go and honestly that would be the first way that we could start with treaties is to offer the land back I mean as as just if you wanted that option, I, that's what my option would be. I would go. I would go. I would. Li- I'd like to check out Denmark or Scotland or, you know, see where I came from. So that would be kind of, a, I think, a reconciliation for acknowledgement. And um, as far as like the Esquimalt and Songhees, you know, I mean, this is a big, huge part of what we're doing right now. How do they feel, Rose, about? Because we've reached out, and is it? Can we get some reconciliation about the Camus thing that's going on, and 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 the, and the, the whole environmentally sensitive area thing because we're unclear about where we lie in, 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 in their perspective I mean, we don't want to offend anyone where do we begin with you know the the land acknowledgement besides saying that we are guests on this land to acknowledge the plants that are originally here like the camas fields mm-hmm are very, you know, um, much a part of the indigenous life cycle of food sovereignty. Um, You know, it's like, okay, what is camas? Does it look like a weed or is it beautiful flowers? You know, learning from people like um, Cheryl Bryce, who's from the Songhees uh, land, she knows all about, you know, the different plants. Tiffany, Tiffany Joseph, also very knowledgeable about would, food sovereignty issues. Would you help us um, with some, some, some maybe some, some, some information about that, so we could like kind of distribute that and show people how important it is, and and I think that people would really value that. Like if they got some, some you know traditional, like maybe some some cool, you know, you know, if they that's on, had some you know some neat artwork on yeah. it and some some really traditional. Kind of, this is how this is what we're asking of you guys while you're your guests here. I think I think if they were approached properly, yeah. um, yes, that they would respond in a good way um, with you know sharing what knowledge they do have and possibly even considering um, coming out and doing a workshop if that's what the um, community up here would like. Oh, absolutely. We'd, we'd, we'd really value that. That'd be, that'd be, that'd be so, fantastic. I know that. That'd be, that'd, that'd be a big hit. That'd be over awesome. <laughs> so there's, really you know, there's certain ways to approach community leaders around um, asking them for their support. Um, you know, go in person. Mm-hmm. You know, I always tell people, you know, stop the business of sending an email or phoning them because traditionally you always went with a gift and you went preparing to spend a lot of time with individuals. Well, there you say, no, no, we were talking about respect also there and, and showing respect, you know, bring that as, as, as the forefront. Okay, now that's huge because, okay, I'm going to say something and it's just, it's, it might not go over very well, but I think that a whole lot of society. And I mean that by when I say like the white culture, honestly, the white have culture, the entitlement doesn't have a whole lot of respect. I think that that's something that they lack. And unfortunately, I don't, I don't think it's something that people understand that they lack. I think that it's just something that they don't value that they lack. I mean, it's something that they miss. So to the forefront, we want to, I think, bring that it took a, like this massive worldwide pandemic to hit us to realize, hey man, we're not doing this right and there's a lot of pain and a lot of hurt but it's coming out of the forefront it's out there so 
here we are, and now we're almost having to relearn what respect is completely. Well, we are. <coughs> Never mind almost. We are relearning yeah, what sure. respect is. And a lot of people are saying, but why should I? Well, you know, if you're non-Indigenous, you've been res residing on stolen land. Truthfully, now you have, to, you have to admit the fact that it was stolen land. That's, that's, that, okay, the court's... Yeah. Out on that, like, we're not out on that sort of It's decided. I'm sorry, look on the so The jury is not out on that. That is a, yeah. that is 100 percent. Yeah, fact. That's the judges. That's the legal system. But the everyday, you know, Jane and John Doe of the streets. They don't understand that. They don't quite understand it because they were never told the truth about how this land was acquired within the first place. They haven't had anything taken away from them like that. That's they haven't right. had the. the, the, the Imagine you're now taking it from what your your position wherever you are listening and told you have to live a completely different lifestyle and you have to be completely you have to speak a different language. You guys you would you would just say that's not that's not possible. I can I can fathom that. Well that's yeah. what we're talking about. So that happened and that it was it was it was absolutely it was it was it was a genocidal what happened and I mean it's amazing to see the recovery I think right now that's happening. Yep. I mean, it's, it's, reconciliation is far, I think, is, is something that we're probably not even approached yet. I don't know, as, as, a, as far as me and me, a white guy. But I mean, where we're going to, you know, I just, I want everybody to kind of just understand that this is what we're talking about. It's, it's, it's a genocide. It's, it's a, taking you out of your life and, and turning you right around. So that's kind of, yeah, you know. it's it's genocide when you think about it in the statistical uh, portions of you know Canada reports that indigenous people right now are less than four percent of the entire population, less. And I know, and so we are number one in the highest in incarcerations. Mm -hmm. Uh, healthcare, income assistance, like the whole list of where we are it's high up here. But when it comes to expecting um, res respect and services and stuff like this, it's kind of like, oh, you know, like First Nations people want to be treated like first class citizens, not what? like fifth class. And I've never seen that. Yeah. I've never seen that actually. Do you know, for mostly from what I've seen, you know, in, in, in my life in, as a poverty stricken person, right? I mean, I just from first a child that's came from uh, the, the government, like, like from the, the foster care system, right? Yep. Um, is that most natives seem to, to suffer in silence. They don't. They, they don't, do. Yeah. We they will they, suffer. They don't bitch at all, man. I don't know if. How many people have ever been to jail with any native people but they don't say shit man like these guys do the time and they don't whine about nothing and it's like you have to really respect it like i, I learned how to how to be kind of just stone-faced a bit you know in, in in alberta right but it's it's a there's like our I mean, tolerance level is huge. really high and, and, and the, the, the kindness yeah. that's that's in, in behind the native people I mean, honestly, like to be stereotyped consistently that you're always drunk, like. Oh you know. my God, the drunken Indian story! Holy <laughs> mackerel! Or the, or what did they call it? You know, like oh my God, she's a welfare case, or she's a squaw. All oh, those kind terrible. of judgments, and, right? Absolutely. And the it most exists. dangerous thing that we have going for us right now is our tenacity. We have survived. We have shown that we are so resilient right now that even at four percent. We are like we're coming through strong, which is awesome. And we have the toolbox. The Pandora's toolbox is number one is education. Yes. Number one education, and we still retain some of the traditional cultural which values. And so we are now using the tools that are put in front of us Good. to create awesome. a better tomorrow. So and we're always thinking about the seven generations who have yet to be born and that you know i i had that epiphany moment a few years ago when one of my friends had passed away we're at their funeral and everybody was like so sad and everything and i'm like oh my god these white people 
they're seeing nothing but devastation right now. They have no preparation for life after this individual's death. And they don't accept responsibility. Whereas with Indigenous people, we're like, so we still carry on. We still mm -hmm. carry on the fight. We are born to carry on the fight because we are the warriors. Mm -hmm. We women are the warriors that have been on the front line of many fights. And this is why, you know, I think of the many, many missing and murdered Indigenous yeah. women. It's just it's terrible. It's and absolutely. now the numbers are growing. And the where is the government with this? Like, I mean, with the, with they're the out to lunch. Yeah, well, <laughs> you know, this is true. Like, I mean, if you legalize pot, I mean, now let's get on with the other things. You know, like, let's get on with, like, well, the first is first. Don't I mean, forget the beer, and that was essential. He did a good thing for us during this pandemic, made beer and liquor yes. essential. Okay. But, you know, housing was not essential. Oh, you know, my it goodness. It apparently was, it was on the agenda, and then I guess this just came in through the back door and just blew up everything, right? So, yeah. I mean, I, I, I'm not, I'm not, I don't envy any, any politician right now during COVID times. I mean, it's a terrible time to be, you know, have this on your, like, this is just, you know, the first hour of the day every day, pretty much, so. Yeah, so, you know, when I think about, you know, the, the time that we're living in right now, um, I had made a comment at the, uh, at the weekly meeting that, happens here in the park and mm -hmm. I'm like I have to raise my a, hands in a good way the, the weekly meetings that have we, been yeah we have we have weekly meetings to try and to see how we can progress things in the park and how we can positively impact things and yeah. where we can go in a general direction uh, you know in a voice as a, as a, as a basically an attitude uh, about how things are progressing and just you know an update and stuff like that it's important as a community to come together and at least have a bulletin, you know, so. Yes, it's in very important, that communication and transparency. <laughs> but I was saying that at the meeting the other night, I said that I wanted to acknowledge all the frontline workers Excellent. and the hundreds of volunteers who have managed to maintain a certain degree of health amongst the unhoused communities because right now while everybody's panicking about you know this um, pandemic the covid stuff we've had zero percent of the unhoused community has contracted this disease absolutely everybody that is currently wealthy. housed the wealthy people they're the ones that are dying of this disease but then on the other hand we have a high percentage of people dying of drug overdoses. Well, this is so, another thing too. That, that this is a, this is a, a, a really kind of a, a, an interesting new fact that I've learned. And Thea gave me this fact. So, I, and she said it's from a very reliable sport, source. I, I, you know, so which is a coroner, right? right. So um, apparently, it's seventy-five percent of the overdoses that are happening right now are between are for, from for like guys who are like thirty-five to forty. Yes. Who don't use very often, yes, and are ha have time on their hands, and are increasing the dosage because they have nothing better to do. They want to experiment. Right. They want to get a little bit high, so they're dose. Uh, they're you know up in the dose, and then they're unfortunately, it's too much. So that's yeah. that's the, the seventy five percent of the overdoses are actually happening in the house. In the house. So you know that's the yin and the yang, right? So. You know, there's good stories and there's bad stories. So the good story is that the zero population amongst the unhoused are contracting this disease, right? So um, society, though, is so busy passing judgment on yes. the unhoused Absolutely. that they're not looking at the good things. And the good things that are happening right now 100%. are, like, few and far between but we have to figure out how do we cherish that and so for my they're own they're not really that few and far between though that, exactly uh, you know they're really not they have, they, we have lots of smiles and lots of happiness going down here all the time in the park and I mean people yeah. are walking around and they're saying hello and being friendly and all this other hype that you hear and all this stuff that you hear it's not happening so yeah you know this vilification and, and this like general you know criminal attitude towards us 
Yeah. Is, where is it coming from? And what's that about? Like, where is that hate coming from? What, what's that, that hate is coming from across the street, on the other side, you know, the other side, you know, from the people who are currently housed, the people who have a regular income, um, the people who have running water, who have a public, you know, um, who killed a bunch of little animals to exactly. build houses that they live in. That's right. So, you know, when when I think about all this other stuff, right, it's like, okay, you know, so that's where it's coming from. Where is it going to now? You know, I was saying to uh, Melva and a number of people about this encampment right now has succeeded when no other tent city has succeeded uh, in regards you. to taking this particular park. Mm -hmm. You know, I've been around, like I said, since 1984, and I saw things like Camp Campbell, Cridge Park, Regina Park, um, Topaz, you name it. I've seen every single tent city, and so many of those people tried to take this park and were quickly pushed out. Their stuff was taken to the dump. And it was discarded. The we people were displaced. Taken. We just said no way. You're and <laughs> so with that displacement, all of a sudden these people end up going back to their communities. And their communities are not always in Victoria. You know, there's people over in Cutherford Park. There's people in Goldstream, Soup, Jordan mm -hmm. River, yeah. Malahat. Like I could name all the different homeless encampments. And yeah, for sure. I still Pretty wouldn't catch them all. Every city on the island. Every absolutely. city. Absolutely. Absolutely. And there's, they're, they're like, yeah, absolutely. They're all over the place. And, yeah. and each, like, Adrian, you're from Duncan, um, each each area probably has its own group of its own encampments. You know what I mean? Well, I'm you know sure. what they're doing? Instead of finding solutions, they're, they're finding things negative to put on the, the homeless people instead. They're building that building up their bad part of them like they're all bad they're all bad because of this and that it's not all them bad you know i mean you know some of the positive things that i found through <laughs> here you know like while everybody's pointing out the negativities but there's positive things like i was saying around you guys being here as long as you have been mm -hmm. to the people that are currently sleeping in their cars um they were starting to come back as a community and saying hey, you know, like, we don't have a tent, but we have a car. We mm -hmm. sleep in our car. Everything's happening in our car. Um, mm -hmm. And how you guys have embraced that community to a certain degree, but you also maintain a respectful boundary to, a young to you know, looking at the other positive things, the I other positive things that I wanted to say about... Well, we have to, I have to, sorry, okay. I, have to, I have 1% battery left, so we're going to end up, it's, we're going to get cut off anyway. Okay, so let's stop right here. Yeah, you I so here we go. Okay, so this is like, I'm doing like part two of my uh, uh, interview with, with Rose Henry, and it's kind of audio has changed here. I know, guys, bear with me. I'm learning this stuff as I go. I'm buying it as I build it. So here we are back with Rose Henry. Um... You were saying, Rose, that you liked the way that the camp was um, conducting itself as far as getting along with everybody, as bringing in, bringing in those old van folks, or what do they call them, the van lifers, yeah. who have, who for a long time told us that we we were they're too, too too good for us. Exactly, and you know that's that um, concept. Come of on classism, in, guys. That classism <laughs> of like you know none of that. At least you know I I have a car. And wait a minute. You I'm know, not homeless. Like, I have a car. The, one of the guys <laughs> was saying, but wait a minute, I don't have a tent, but I have a car, right? Yep. So they still have a roof over their head, and, um, you know, they're still sleeping in their cars, right? Well, they have to move every, every few hours. Yeah, they're right? from Victoria. What but, a craziness, eh? But, you know, it's like, okay, you know, where did they get that thinking, that thinking about, you know, they're better than the current unhoused people who are sleeping in a tent. Right. Oh, okay, that's society saying, hey, but, you know, you have a car just like I have a car, um, just like Joe Blow down the street has a car, yeah. right? Yeah, and I got a house, but one better. Yeah, and so in reality, you know, you're still unhoused. 
you still have to move your stuff every day. Yeah. You still have to do certain things. Because the guy in the house says that, yeah, yeah he doesn't like the guy in the car there. So there That's you go. That's right. And so there's signs everywhere when you walk around any major city that says no overnight camping, no overnight sleeping what is in that? Car, what is that? No overnight, you know, like um, doing this or that. Why is it the government would, ha would have a problem with it, with um, a person seeking shelter? Do you think it's a government thing or do you think it's a... Like, is it a municipal thing? Is it, or is it a human thing where, you, where people are... It's more like a human thing because, you know, it's, um, you know, to say that I'm not as bad as those guys. I'm right. not as bad as the women down the street. But in reality, it's not about being bad. It's about a situation that usually is beyond your control. If you were... Uh, fortunate enough to have enough money to own some land, you're okay. Yeah, yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah. But well, that's a good thing. It's, it's, it's about the earning, or <clears throat> excuse me, about the earning, or even inheriting. I mean, not to take away from that, but this is the, 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 I think the core value, the, the essential meat and bones of it is that okay, people have to, this need to say to so, someone, "I'm better than you because I'm not in your position." That's right. And so, you know, when people start thinking like that, that's a little bit of a a door that can be opened to say, but, What's you know, with that kind we're of thinking? here. We're all currently still guests on the territories of the indigenous people. And planet Earth itself. And planet Earth itself, and this is, right? yeah, this, we're, we're, none of us are, are here for, for the... Um, you know, for the extended period. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we all have a, we have an expiry date, right? I mean, we really okay. do. So we're we all just really visitors, aren't we? And, and guests. And, That's uh, right. You know, yeah. The human experience. And why make it harder on each other? Why? Because it's like, oh, you know, we can't have that. You know, like everybody's living a glorious life. Well, I guess people we need to have, have a need to to be important or to be recognized or to be more glori glorified than glorified than, than than the other ones around them. Yes. I guess that's just a, I mean, is, is it is it wrong to feel, um, you know, if, I guess individuality by being champion? No, it's not. If, if you're the best at a sport or whatever, you deserve that credit, and you you win it fairly, and, and it's yes. a, it's the right thing, then then yes, you deserve that glory, and that's where equality is kind of a strange thing. I mean, not not all are really truly created equal. Some are greater than others and deserve that credit, right? So. Um, at the same time, we also deserve that others are not as great or, as, you know, and so it's up to the, maybe the greater ones to provide for the less greater ones. And then just for that whole yin-yang kind of thing, circles yep. to happen, right? So to, for in, in order for us to just, I guess, take away the anger we feel towards the homeless, you have to get anger more at sickness and say, okay, I'm not mad at the guy who's sick. I'm mad at fucking sickness. I, I, I don't like the sight or the, the visuals of the sick person. That ails me and I want and it scares me. I don't want to become like that. I don't want to get sick. But it, it doesn't mean that you have to hate the person who's ill. You just have to cure that damn sickness, right? So how do we do, do that? Like, I mean, what do you think, Rose? I mean, for, we start seeing each other as human beings and... Like, I've learned from, you know, people like Reverend Al Kistik and um, other frontline workers who are saying, let's see the humanness first. Let's start teaching each other with dignity and respect first. Let's recognize the individuals who are currently, you know, living in the unhoused world as our brothers and our sisters our fathers and our mothers, our sons and our daughters, but see that first. And a lot of the people who are currently housed don't want to admit that they could be out here with us. Yeah, that's They true. could be um, looking at their fathers and their mothers out on the street. They could be looking at um, a huge social injustice that they could correct. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's this. Uh, now, no, imagine this. Imagine if we created like, like we had our our time, and and you know, 
there was our folks before us, I guess. She was there was there was the, the Second World War, yeah. and you know there was a lot of tyranny, and obviously there's a lot of stuff that happened there. But that was their kind of the fact that we actually have a world that we could kind of make the choice in was their gift to us. How about if we, for our gift to our next generation, would give the gift of not having to worry about poverty being a fatal right. blow? You know what I mean? Let's take let's eliminate the the, the capitalist view that. Poverty is a, 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 a an ill of people who don't try hard enough. You know what I mean? It seems to be that it's almost like if you're one a working class, then you know that you have to have a pit that, that the, the non-workers fall into, which would be poverty. That's right. It shouldn't be a, a thing like that. It shouldn't be a, a, a disgrace or a disparity to, to, to fall into what you know because people have injuries or all sorts of things different why they cannot you know toe the line like every other working citizen can and it's up to the working citizen especially in a country like this who boasts equality and you know you know fundamental justice and stuff like that yeah. to to be the the type of people that can pick it up for the little guy shouldn't we like you know expect that from our country we should expect that from is it a promise We should expect that from our country, but unfortunately, it's an empty promise. And the empty promise right now is getting bigger and bigger, and it's overflowing. And so there used to be a time that we had the upper class, then we had the middle class, and then we have the bottom, the, the no class at all. And now that middle class is disappearing. Yes, and it is. they're Rapidly. the ones who are freaking right out, like, oh my God, you know, like, I want to give a classic example of what I see coming um, in about another, you know, six to eight weeks when this uh, CERB funding disappears. Yeah. We're going to see Uh-oh. a drastic increase in the unhoused community yep. coming from people who have no concept of what it's like to go without. Without the key to the door that they can call home, without a roof over their head, they have no idea, um, you know, what that looks like. What that looks like, and how much energy they're going to need to conserve to survive. And you're going to be so happy. You're going to be so happy <clears throat> that we're before you, and got rid of that damn seven to seven. I'm telling you, because if you have to face what we're facing, you don't want to be living in a seven to seven world. That's right. And so, you know, there's a lot of people are saying, but I I pay taxes for the parks that they're residing in. And, you know, they'll come up with all of these lame excuses. Because we all pay taxes. Um, we all pay taxes every time we pay a bill, every time we get on the bus, day, every yeah. single time we go get gas for our car. Light up a smoke, that's for Light sure. Light up a smoke, <laughs> that's, you know, that we're paying taxes, right? And... You know, it's like, okay, so where do we go from here? What is the solution to end this craziness? Yep, absolutely. Um, You know, first of all, I'll tell people that we're never going to end homelessness, but we can get it under control. We can do the control thing by including the homeless in the decision-making factor. Right now, the door is swinging just a little bit open, but not enough to let the homeless into the decision-making table, because the people who are currently unhoused are, like, um, saying, we're, we're, we've lost, they've surrendered. Not 100% of them have surrendered, the but, you know, the unhoused. And the housed people are saying, we don't want you in here because you well, know, it's like, it's ridiculous the way that 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 that, that it's tr- coming down right now. I mean, I I think that I'm better. Like, if I was part of the housies, I call them the housies. Right. So, I, I if if I was part of the housies, I'd be like, I'd be ashamed, man. Yeah. I, I'd be going, hey, what the hell is wrong with my country? Because like I didn't grow up in this kind of country where I was told that we kick the shit out of the poor guys. We were supposed yeah. to pick the like what, this is like we're supposed to rise up together and be on some. Well, I know that I know that I know I don't think that Patton would have been too impressed with the way that people are acting right now. Do you? No. You no. know, so you know, a lot of people are not impressed with you know a lot of things right now. But what's happening is that 
like I was saying, the the gap is closing between. All right, so Rose is good enough to still, still be with me for the third segment of this, uh, and my editing skills are totally showing here. So, hey man, there's a job open for editor at the the home or publisher or whatever it is, producer. The PR I've, person. Uh, yeah, or the producer, PR. I hopefully I did a good enough job with that myself. <laughs> I hope so. But anyways, um, so this is just the third segment of 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 Rose's interview, and um. I'll try and do some, some editing school as I go, but uh, later on. I'd like to actually start with a um, a proper introductory, and that is a part of, you know, the teachings that I've learned throughout the years about acknowledging the territory that we are currently on and the territory of the Indigenous people, in particular right now, let's you know, acknowledge that this is the unceded territory of the Esquimalt and the Songhees people. Cheers. This is where we begin with the respect. That, Cheers. You know, show respect by acknowledging that, you know, they too have paid the um, the sacrifice of, you know, losing the land. Losing is, yeah. the land so that other people who are guests on this territory could reside mm-hmm. Absolutely, absolutely. Oh, this beautiful completely piece of acknowledge that. What that's one of the things that is a real. It's one of the 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 kicks in the asses about being white. You know what I mean? Is that here we are bickering over something that was not ours in the first place. It was granted to someone that, that didn't have the right to give it to them. Right. And it's all a bunch of bullshit. And and we have no right to be telling anybody where anybody can go because none of us have a right to actually be here. And that's the truth. Um, you know, the war crimes that, that, that were committed against uh, the indigenous folks were to the point of where Hitler and his crew were executed or sold in the gas chamber or took cyanide pills or whatever they did before they saw that the, 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 the hangman's chamber. Right? But the thing is, is that our leaders would have been up for the same fate in the same kind of world if they did the same kind of thing right now. They would be up for war crimes. Completely. Mm-hmm. So that's 100%. We definitely have stolen land. 100%. So what, who are we as anybody to be really bickering about where about it is? About use of the land. Yeah. Right. And so there is the way to correct you know, what is happening right now and the correction is starting off with the territorial acknowledgement, showing their respect and the humbleness to the original people of the land and to say, you know, that we are here right now and we have made a commitment to ourselves and to the people of the land that we will respect it and we will, um, you know, exist with what is here right now. Ponce, hi, hi. And so, there you go. You That's know, the best way I can say it. <laughs> it's my key. That's the key. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, you know, I try. I try. I said, I said hello and thank you there. It's my, and and uh, what I was, was uh, Cree people are really I spoke close to me. I, 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 I learned a lot from them when I was in Alberta. I, I went to them, to them as a, I went out to Alberta as kind of a more of a white kid, right? Like, And I had stereotypical attitude I was and that's weird because I was raised you know in foster homes and stuff like that mm-hmm. never made that identification never made that link that which is the truth yeah. until I really went out to, and seen you know it from the other side yeah. I, I, I guess and that's you know that's part of life right but I mean once my eyes were opened I'm telling you man did I ever feel like a stupid white guy like honestly like yeah. I mean how's and it, it's okay to feel that that shame, you know, as a, as a as a white person, it's okay to understand that you're wrong, and thanks for not giving it to us too bad when we do understand, you know. But thanks for understanding that we finally get it. Yep. You know, and it's through that humbleness you learn about forgiveness too. Yeah, for sure. And how forgiving the indigenous people are, mm-hmm. and kind. the same uh, principle can be given to uh, the unhoused people too, because. Once you. you start inviting the unhoused people to the same table as you, you find out that they bring forward a lot of 
skills, skills that are yeah. useful to preserving the land, yeah. for preserving, you know, a way of life. And society, and, 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 and quality of life for everybody. Yes. One of the skills they had for a while, can't shine because if you put down the personality, That's right. nobody's going to hire them. Right. Because they're stereotypes. That's yeah. right. It's 100%. And they get in trouble for going to panhandle. You know, guys, yeah. and that's the that's the that shows right there. I mean, uh, like for me to just say that, like, like, like it does show the awesomeness of the of the, the indigenous and native people because you guys are the most in this culture the most ones that have gotten the boot, right? Yeah. And to to be the ones that, that like have the, the most open heart of, of of forgiveness to that shows the like just the strength and of, and, and resilience of of, of of the, of the of the nature of the people, man. You know, it's just, and you know, thanks for being like that, man. Like honestly, because it's just, it, you know, as a humanity, we all have something to learn from that, right? You That's know? right. We all do, and so, you know, for us to be sitting here today, in this, another tent city, um, to share the knowledge and understand that, you know. Homeless people, yes, they've been around since the beginning of time. But First Nations people, in their language dialects from throughout Turtle Island, as far as I know, there is very little, if any, word for homeless. Just like there's no word for orphan. Yeah. Um. There's a yeah. lot of dialects that you know. That Isn't it amazing? We yeah. just uh, we've learned. That you know, when a person becomes unhoused, oh well, so and so over there, they've got a spare room, they've got a basement. You move in with that. It's relative just a natural right? thing. It's almost. a natural process. Yeah, right? I mean, I know, like my wife's native, obviously, you know that. I mean, and and just being around family and stuff like that, like her family, is just like it's such a different vibe, man. It's like just naturally, like it's like, yeah, it's it's so much more of a family. I mean. It's so much, there's no, the barriers that the white culture has of all like, you know, anti, you know, so-and-so scratched uncle, so-and-so's BMW, so they're, yeah. they're in an insurance battle, and they're out of court with one another, and so, so we can't go over to their house for Christmas, because I hate my cousin this year, because, or whatever that, you know, like, those, those, those cultural things that we have in, in place, is, I mean, what's better? I mean, they, like, there's just acceptance. I mean, like, you know, I've seen, I've seen, like, you know, like, a lot more love and acceptance and a lot more family and a lot more tradition a lot more respected tradition and 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 also humor in the native people that's where i said to so many people throughout this journey that i said damn it all this is the only time readers digest has got it right and that <laughs> is humor is the best medicine yeah humor is almost everything absolutely humor. and you know it's like if we're not laughing, we're crying, and if we're not laughing and crying, we're we're being incarcerated. We're being detained because we're reacting out of um, emotion, anger, yes. and, and bitterness. Because oh, you alluded to that previously about you know native people being able to hold on to their temper, and it is a real skill. It is a skill that. You know, it's like, oh, sometimes I wish that I could just vent. I have seen, yeah, I've seen Native people be put through treatment like that. You know, that I can endure and do it, like, without yelling or screaming or, or just in a, in, a, in a real, like, courageous way, you know what I mean? And uh, you just have to have respect for the way that this, like, that, just not letting them get to you thing, yeah. you know what I mean? And it's just like, and as a so white person, I respect that, and I value that. I mean, that, I've learned that lesson. You know, there, there has been times throughout my journey that I really want to just, like, just scream at, at the world and say, why can't you guys get your act together? And then there's the other side of saying, they can't get themselves together because they have excluded the people that they're talking about, and I'm like, oh, okay, you know, it's like, they so want you to act am, their way. They want it their way, and they've forgotten that the people that they're talking about have the same feelings, 
they have the same yeah. needs. And your, your ways are our ways. I mean, like, yeah. you have different ways. I mean, we can't expect that, that anybody that was forced into just basically slavery is going to, like, really want to... Or anybody who's had their land and their children stolen from them. And the chance to flourish taken away. I mean, so, literally, this is what happened, right? So this is a part of, you know, like, who I am when it comes to, like, okay, you know, like, I had decided at one point in my life that it was my responsibility to speak up. And I only learned that from my foster parents who used to tell me that the world cannot read your mind. And I'm like, but, but, yes, okay, okay. You know, so I'm going to say it. I'm going to use my words. And I'm going to use my power as much as I can to create the change that I would like to see for the next seven generations to come. Thank you. And that means, you know, that I'm in it for the long haul. Mm -hmm. So I took my experience of growing up in foster care. I addressed those issues. I went as far as to being on the board of directors um, on many different boards, in fact. And, you know, like to talk about the lack of education in my own home community is what brought me here today. And the education field that I entered into has taken me on a journey all the way down to Durban, South Africa, where I helped at a roundtable discussion about um, defining what racism is. Well, and, there you go. You know, so, I mean, the, yeah. you know, from, you know, life in, in the uh, foster care system to life on the street, when I talked about the indigenous um, barriers about living on the streets, how did I get off the streets? I didn't get on the streets by myself. I'm not going to get off the streets by myself. Very good so point. I learned to use the tools around me. And so that meant that, you know, okay, I'm going to court. I'm fighting for the right for homeless to be able to Pioneering vote. your way. Pioneering the way for, you know, status cards for the status women's option group empowering women along the way to, you know, exercise their their rightful position to all of a sudden, it's like, okay, I get in and out of these boards. I'm about the actions. I know where the decision-making table is, and I want to make sure that the people who are marginalized have a voice in the decision-making table. Now, Rosa, right? I want to talk to you about some stuff. This is where I want to go with this whole thing about talking about locally yep. in Victoria. Um, I got involved with the Victoria Street Community Association, who was a part of the parenting group that created AIDS Vancouver Island, uh, Peers, Prostitute Empowerment Resource Society, huge, huge organization. Single Parent Association, or huge Resource Center. Huge organization. So, um, Kool-Aid, you know, um, our place, which used to be called the Open Door and the Upper Room yep, when we bet. amalgamated those. Yep. Everybody that was on those boards and the original founding group were people who had lived the experience and said, I have the educational tools, let's create these societies. So they know firsthand that that what works. Yes. They know firsthand. And so that's where, you know, the struggle was like, all of a sudden, like, we're empowering these people. How far are we going to go with this? And, um, you know, mainstream society was like, no, 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 we're giving them too much power. Well, no, we're taking back that power. Good. That's and the way it should be. Because we've been in this fight for a long time, the, the changes that have come have not come easily. But That's for sure. We're still there, and we're still fighting, and we're there to say, hey, we're trying to make a better tomorrow. Get out of the way, because the things that I have to say is that nothing, you know, shall be said without us. In order to us, make, right? absolutely, nothing said about us without us. You absolutely, Rose, for that's, sure. That's been my motto, and I'll just do it, you know. Like, you bet. You know, like, when I was, I was saying to Adrian, I said that, I understood that there was only two rallies yep. here in Victoria, one that was, you know, opposing 
the rallies and the other one that was saying we want the homeless out well you know those people that said that they were going to organize today never came out never came out because they're busy providing lip service yep. and they're trolling. raging they're just trolling exactly they're, trolling. they're just hitting the button on a, on a, on a, on a computer exactly exactly and no, so i want to talk to you about but you know we can take that anger we can take yeah, that you energy you bet i really want to really really want to break this down for people because i really and I hope this audio is going to be good. Um, I'll try and speak up here. Now, you know firsthand, there's so many things here. You've dealt with stereotypes in so many different ways. Okay? In so many different ways. Well, there's one that you totally <clears throat> missed, and that was well, my voting thing. But I'm I sorry. I'm sorry. I, we Like, there's such a long list of stuff. I mean, um, but I want to just get you to point on this. <clears throat> You know what it's like to be um, discriminated against because of race, yep. because of sex, and yep. because of financial status. Yep. Now, we know that two of those three above are a crime, yep. right? Which would be uh, against human rights, yep. crime against human rights, which should be punishable, I, I think, in jail, you know, a sentence in jail or something. It's just human rights. Are violating human rights are the same thing as a criminal offense, I think, you know. Yeah. But so, so you have you have discriminating against a female and discriminating against uh, a person of color yeah. or a visible minority. Okay, and then you have also to, you know what it's like to be homeless. Yeah. So one of those three isn't a crime. Would it be safe to say that they're all the same thing when it comes to the, the, the way that you feel about being stigmatized is, 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 could you safely say that being homeless is the same as being stigmatized against being a, a visible minority or being a, a, a female? Yes. Thank no, you. Cause that's like classism, right? Yeah, classism absolutely. Based on, on race and gender and, um, you know, the financial classism that I faced over the years was um, I left subsidized housing, you know, when my son aged out, uh, you know, like he, when he aged out, he moved out on his own. And all of a sudden, you know, here I am, you know, the empty nest syndrome, and I'm living in a two-bedroom subsidized unit. And at that time, they didn't have units available for single people. Mm. And so I move out. I go into mainstream, you know, marketing. Yep. I face that racism when I go to rent a place. Yep. And people were like, oh, you know, where's your income? Are you on welfare? Um, no. Immediately. You know, stereotypes. Stereotyping me right away. I haven't been inside a welfare office in almost 26 years. And you're probably standing up for someone. <clears throat> and I'm still, I'm still stigmatized to this day around rental accommodation. When you're in the welfare office, you're probably standing up for someone who's, I'm, you know, yes. anyways, right? So Both you were doing their advocate stuff yeah. in the welfare office, yeah. <clears throat> right? You know what I mean? But, so I mean, honestly, yeah, it's not like you, you provide for yourself. That. No, of course not. They I, don't I, see that. Oh, you're here for a welfare check? No, no, no. I'm here to advocate for. Oh. And that's okay. just yeah. That's that's that right there. Is I hope that's like a pie in the face. I hope it feels like a pie in the face kind of <clears throat> for anybody who's who's listening, who's like you know might be a white middle class person or whatever that doesn't get it. Yeah. You know, it's time that you got it. It's time that you got that we come from this entitled position where we don't face the challenges that most of the people that in the world do face because of our entitlement. Yep. And that's colonialism. And it's, and what's this word colonialism they're talking about? That is it. We're talking about that um, extreme white British empire type of doing shit, man. And it's like all through the United States, it's the capitalist imperial peg type thing. And in Britain, it was the same king monarchy type imperial type king shit. And it's just done nothing but destroy um, humanity. And it's, it's the wrong way to go. And it's time we change our view on things and our whole outlook on how we survive as a, as a race. Going yeah. forward, right? And you know, a part of that survival kit for me, and you know, hundreds of other people, as far as I know, is that we learn to utilize the tools that were available to us, and that means like figuring out, okay, this politician said this, 
and they're willing to do this to, oh, you know what, there's a community hall that is down the street that's offering free internet or free libraries or they're doing a resume workshop. Okay, so I learned, you know, to be inclusive with the community by utilizing their services mm -hmm. and, you know, offering my service of being willing to uh, be able to speak up when they were looking for public speakers. And, and bringing so those things together. Bringing them all together, yeah. right? And so, um, you know, when I was alluding to the fact that, you know, like there was one part that you'd missed when I said about, um, you know, the power and the strength that I had around fighting for voter rights. Yep. For nine years, I fought to change the electoral system. For nine years, I never once stepped in front of the camera on a national level because I knew that if I stepped in front of the camera, then people would say, oh, well, she's only fighting for Native rights um, or she's only fighting for women's rights. So I left that job up to my lawyer to do that. And my lawyer did an awesome job. That's amazing. And he never <coughs> once pointed out that I was an indigenous woman. Who's fighting for these rights? He is so there you have a it. woman that has put her name forward <coughs> and is fighting for the rights to change democracy. And so that, you know, that reveals a little bit of my tenacity right. of Absolutely. who I am because I'm willing to go that extra mile. And I've taken that same valuable lesson to every place I've gone to. So there you have it. Rose Henry is actually responsible for bringing you, <coughs> as a Canadian citizen, a little bit more human rights and dignity. I mean, and, and she did it from behind the mask of her lawyer so that people would not think that she was using the fact that she was a Native woman in Canada as an advantage to, as, so that it would be equally distributed to everyone rather than be thought of as, um, as something that is just for a certain group. So there you go. I mean, there's, there's class. That's what I'm talking to you right now, and thank you very much for that, Rose. Thank you. Wow. Okay. <laughs> for sure. So thank you kindly. So much, you know, that I see <clears throat> for the changes, and the changes that people are, you know, like um, talking about. Because, you know, when you asked me earlier about what brought me here today, mm. was that yesterday I had, you know, I I've been <laughs> doing this thing that you know I hate I hate listening to certain people, and I'm going to say it straight <laughs> out, I'm going to say it straight out, you know, like I was looking at Adam Sterling's uh, talk show list, his name is actually painted on top of the uh, tarp here in Penn it, City. And it doesn't say Merry <laughs> Christmas afterwards, that's for sure. <laughs> but, you know, it was like, I was listening to his talk show yesterday, and I'm like, damn <clears> it all, you know, like, people, you know, wake up wake up and realize that, you know, we can change. Absolutely. We can change the situation for everybody from the house to the unhoused if we start coming together to the round table and saying, um, let's stop kicking around the homeless situation like we have been for the last, you know, four or five decades. Mm -hmm. Because this is something that Victoria is notorious for. Yep. Um, you know, like for years that they kicked around the issues of the raw sewage. If it wasn't the raw sewage issues that they were kicking around, it was the homeless uh, yep. situation. And then right after that, it was a high cost of living. Well, you know, we had introduced rent control. I don't know if that still exists to this day, but they, but we also took care of the raw sewage this year in Victoria. So, um, how do we take care of the homeless situation? We bring everybody to the table. Yep. And we invite the house and the unhoused to come together over, you know, like a meal, over a public speaking. Yeah. And let's start talking about this because we have proof in the pudding that this can happen when we look at the, you know, uh, the communities like Medicine Hat who have, you know, eradicated homelessness. We have proof, you know, when we looked at how Sandy Merriman House was built by women for 
homeless women that's been in existence for 20 years. When it first got started, it was not started by Kool-Aid. It was started by the Victoria Street Community Association mm -hmm. and the women's organizations that were supporting us were saying, where do we get these women in? And it's, uh, let's get the women who have experienced being homeless. Let's get the women who peer are, support. Yeah, peer support so the right peer, there. You know the peer helping peer situation, and that meant a it lot works. of community dinners. Yep. We had weekly community dinners. Well, we got to do a bit a bit quicker this time though. We got right. Like yeah. we got to like you know we'll have one dinner and then we'll just get it all wrapped up. <laughs> okay, well, that's going to be a huge buffet. And so, you know, it's like, so we can do the change once we get over, you know, our own arrogance. Our Absolutely. Things. Absolutely. And we learn to utilize, you know, places like the Times calling us CFAC, CBC. Yeah. Utilize those reporters. Because, you know... You know, everybody's jumping on the bandwagon of negativity. Well, then get off that bandwagon now and get on the positive move and say, hey, Victoria, we did it. We did exactly what other communities have been doing, and that is um, being better. Address the unhoused. You bet. Okay, there you have it from Rose Henry, Victoria. Start rocking. Let's go. We can rock more. All right. All right. Take care. Thank you, Rose. I'm right. away, guys. And we are out. <laughs> right on. I'm